Dr. Ryan Strait, assistant professor at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. I was in high school at the end of the last century, which sounds really weird to say. We had a bit of a budget crunch. That is to say, the district could never get school funding passed, so they had to figure out a way to deal with the steadily increasing size of a student body, but no extra money for improved facilities or more and better teachers. So the district came up with an idea. Split sessions. Essentially, you take half the students and shift them to be earlier in the day, and you take the other half and shift them to be later in the day. That way, you only had the full student body using a single facility for a bit during the middle of the day, during which some students could be at lunch and not using the classrooms anyway. And this was, as you can imagine, awful. To this day, I have no idea who came up with it or why they thought it would work, and frankly, I think it was probably just a way to force the funding issue because, hey, what's worse, increased taxes or this nonsense? Regardless, I, as a teenager, was leaving the house at 6.30 a.m. Leaving the house, not just getting up, not showered, fed, on the road at 6.30. To be fair, I got out of school like before noon, so I had the whole day to work and do homework or just hang out, but still, 6.30. I usually get up before 6 a.m. now, but I just turned 38, and we have dogs as alarm clocks, so it's totally different. Teenagers, they are biologically not made for that. They go to sleep late. They wake up late. And in doing so, they're only doing what their bodies are chemically instructing them to do. And this actually makes sense. Teenagers produce melatonin, that one of the chemicals that tells your body it's Betty by time. Basically, about three hours later in the day, than adults do. So shift your entire schedule by three hours, and that's how they are actually naturally functioning. So here's the rub for teenagers, especially. When do we traditionally expect individuals in this society to do the work and make the decisions that frame, theoretically, the rest of their lives? Right, the exact same time that we're forcing them to do it while sleep deprived. And that isn't good for anybody. Do you remember reading Shakespeare at 7.30 a.m.? Neither do I. I know I did it, but I definitely don't remember it. According to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, children aged 6 to 12 should get between 9 and 12 hours of sleep, while teenagers aged 13 to 18 should sleep between 8 and 10 hours. Just imagine what those brilliant young minds could accomplish if they all were that well rested. Unfortunately, only about 42% of 6th to 8th graders and just 27% of 9th through 12th graders get enough sleep on school nights. But what about, quote, traditional college students, the most chronically sleep-deprived demographic there is, I imagine, right after new parents? Well, they're not much better than high school students. The National Institutes of Health report that only 30% of college students 
say they get eight or more hours of sleep per night. 60% are, quote, dragging, tired, or sleepy three days a week. Over 80% say that this lack of sleep negatively impacts their academic performance, and sleep issues rank as the second biggest cause of academic difficulties right behind, you guessed it, stress. So how do we mitigate this? Various ways. Drink less alcohol. Cut back on caffeine and energy drinks, especially before bed. Don't take stimulants. Put the phone away before bed. Or, at the very least, use a blue light filter and turn that brightness down. And for Pete's sake, stop doing the all-nighter. I can say from experience that this is not all it's cracked up to be. You are way better off studying, sleeping, and then taking a test because you will actually remember that content better after you sleep. You need your sleep. Everybody needs their sleep. And really, it's not just about the time you get to sleep or the amount of sleep that you're getting that's important. It's also the quality of that sleep. When people use the term deep sleep, they're usually just talking about sleep after which they feel really rested. But in fact, deep sleep is also basically a technical term for a phase of the sleep cycle. It's not just that you slept well or feel rested. A recent study points to evidence that during, quote, deep sleep, the brain actually goes through a kind of self-cleaning cycle. From an NPR write-up, uh, link in the show notes, as always, during deep sleep, waves of cerebrospinal fluid coincide with temporary decreases in blood flow. Less blood in the brain means more room for the fluid to carry away toxins, including those associated with Alzheimer's disease. So if you needed a good reason to get some nice, uninterrupted sleep, there you have it. But what happens if you don't get enough sleep? How do you know you're actually sleep-deprived? Well, if you ever doze off while reading or watching television or even just riding in a car, you're probably sleep-deprived. Being sleep-deprived impacts literally everything you do. You'll have difficulty focusing, your reaction times will be slower, you can't actually learn something that you're trying to learn. You can become emotionally unstable. Your behavior can become erratic, even have difficulty coping with change. Children are likely to get angry, impulsive, suffer from mood swings, depression, or just lack motivation, all because of sleep deficiency. And you've probably heard that little bar trivia fact about how X number of hours being awake is equal to Y number of drinks, and it is actually true. A 2000 study in occupational and environmental medicine found that after 17 to 19 hours without sleep, participants' results on tests were equivalent to having a blood alcohol content of 0.05%, and response speeds and accuracy measures were actually worse than those that have that BAC level. As participants went longer without sleep, their performance declined to the equivalent of having a BAC of 0.1%. And for context, a BAC level of 0.1% is enough to get a DUI in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. So look, make time to get enough sleep. Do whatever you need to do to make that happen. Turns out it is way more important than you may have ever thought. Your life may literally depend on it.
Once again, thank you for listening to this little podcasty thing of mine. If you found it entertaining or informative or useful, please do subscribe and rate it on the podcatcher of your choice, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, however you listen. And as usual, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at NewProfCast, while show notes, transcripts, and more can be found on the website at thenewprofessor.com. Until next time, good night.